Hi, and welcome to Reading by Flashlight. I'm your host, Allison, and I'm a 14-year-old book-obsessive homeschool weirdo who decided to start a podcast about, you guessed it, books. This is a podcast for book lovers to come and join as I read through books for the first time and share my opinion with my microphone and an empty room. Thanks for stopping by, and I really hope you'll come back again. Today's episode is going to be going over The Inheritance Games, written by Jennifer Lynn Barnes, chapters 37 through 48. So again, welcome back to Reading by Flashlight. Um, In this episode, we will be going over chapters 37 through 48 of The Inheritance Games written by Jennifer Lynn Barnes. And before we start, if you haven't checked out episodes 1 through 3 or the trailer yet, I encourage you to go do that because the previous chapters are all there. And if you'd like to know a little bit more about this book, you can check out the first episode where I have kind of a little bit of an introduction to the book, what it's about, and a little bit about the author. But without further ado, here are chapters 37 through 48 of The Inheritance Games. So starting in chapter 37, that's where we're starting, but before that, um, if you haven't watched the last episode last week where we started, where we left off, um, Avery had just found out a clue to help them and they she found out that in the red will the copy of the will that was written in red ink there were four word words that stood out under the film paper and those words were westbrook davenport not davenport that's not a word davenport winchester and blackwood and those are all four middle names of the uh, hawthorne boys so then chapter 37 starts off with her back at Hawthorne house, she ran into Nash and he sees her running back to the house and he's like, whoa there kid, where's the fire? Cause she just got back to Hawthorne house and she was heading to go find Jameson and Grayson to tell them what she had figured out. And so then Alyssa said, Avery just came from reading a special copy of the will. And then Nash said, hmm, would I be correct in assuming that this has something with that? that secret the secrets of my grandfather you're trying to find out and then she Avery says your letter and then she starts to realize well if Tobias Hawthorne had left Jameson and Grayson same identical letters then he probably left the same exact thing for Nash too but then Nash says don't worry I'm sitting this one out I don't even want the money and then Alyssa says but that's not what's at stake here there's the will Nash said, the will is ironclad. I believe I've heard that a time or two. And then they are like glaring at each other because they don't like each other. And then Alyssa says, I should go. If you need anything, call, Avery finished. And it says, wondering just how high my eyebrows had risen at their exchange. So then Nash said, you going to tell me where you're going? And then Avery said, Jameson asked me to meet him in the solarium. I have no idea what that is. And then Nash says, got any ideas where that is? And she says, I don't even know what it is. And then Nash said, solariums are overrated. Tell me, kid, what do you usually do on your birthday? (laughs) And she's like, that came out of nowhere. And she says, eat cake? And Nash says, every year on our birthdays, the old man would call us into a study and say the same three words. Invest, cultivate, create. He gave us $10,000 to invest. Can you imagine letting an eight-year-old choose stocks? 
They got $10,000 each birthday. And what are they? They're like 17, or they're, well, okay, Xander's 16, Jameson's 17, and I think Grayson's 18, and I think Nash is like 20, it said. So, like, imagine that, like, every single year. And he says, then we got to pick a talent or interest to cultivate for the year. A new language, a hobby, art, a sport. No expenses were spared. If you picked piano, a grand piano showed up the next day. Private lessons started immediately, and by midway through the year, you'd be backstage at Carnegie Hall getting tips from the greats. Then Avery said, that's amazing. And then she remembered all those trophies that she had seen behind Tobias Hawthorne's desk. Like, that's where they all come from. And then Nash says, Nash didn't exactly look amazed. He said, the old man also laid out a challenge every year, an assignment, something we were expected to create by the next birthday, an invention, a solution, a work of museum quality art, something. And then Avery said, well, that doesn't sound too bad. Nash said, well, it doesn't, does it? Come on, I'll show you the solarium. So then they start walking past the grounds. And and then Nash said, did Jameson tell you about the old man's weekly riddles already? And Avery said, yeah, he did. Nash said, sometimes at the beginning of the game, the old man would lay out a collection of objects, a fishing hook, a price tag, a glass ballerina, a knife. And by the time the puzzle was solved, we'd have all, hadn't used even all four of them. And then he said, I was so much older. I had an advantage, but Jamie and Gray, they'd team up against me, then double-cross each other right at the end. And then Avery would say, why are you telling me this? And he said, Solarium's the last door on the right, so he's not answering her. And then she said, thanks. And then before she re goes into the Solarium, he says, you might think you're playing the game, but that's not how we see it. We aren't normal. This place isn't normal. And you're not a player, kid. You're the the tool you're the glass ballerina or the knife imagine being told that you're a knife like hey kid you know this big riddle that's been going on well you can't actually help us because you're a hammer Mhm. Mm okay chapter 38 so the solarium was an enormous room with domed ceilings and glass walls and jameson was in the middle staring up at the dome ceiling and he wasn't i guess right in the mind but Grayson wasn't there. And then Jameson said, Westbrook, Davenport, Winchester, Blackwood. Tell me, Harris, what do you make of that? And then she's like, well, they could all be last names. Do you think they're your fathers? And then Jameson says, Sky doesn't talk about our fathers. As far as she's concerned, it's an Athena Zeus type of situation. We're hers and hers alone. Then he starts to get a bit mad, and he says, she's never even so much as answered a question about our middle names, and that is why I'm here. And then he asks, shall we go? And then Avery says, go where? And then he says, come now, Eris, you're better than that. And then he says, I swallowed and answered my own question. Of course, we're going to see your mother. So then he took her through this coat closet in the foyer, you know, another one of those secret passageways in there and then he touched something against the wall or pulled it and the next thing she knew she heard gears clicking and turning and all this stuff and the there's a panel in the closet door that opens and then he tells her to watch her head so jameson uses his cell phone to light the way i got the distinct feeling that was only for my benefit he knew the twists and turns of these hidden hallways 
So then Jameson looks through this hole or peephole or something, I guess it's in the wall, and he tells her that the coast is clear. And he says, do you trust me? And she said, absolutely not. And he said, good, hold on. So then the wall starts to rotate like one of those, you know, like the fireplaces or the book bookshelves, like they spin, like they twist around and there's something on the other side. I'm guessing that that's what it is. And so they go through and they're entering this long hallway with carpet and gold moldings on the walls, red carpet, by the way. And then once they're out of the tunnel, Avery says, just blurts out, I'm the knife, the fishing hook, the glass ballerina, whatever. And then Jameson said, you've been talking to one of my brothers. Mm, not Grayson. Mm, Xander? Nash. Like, I don't know how he did that. Like, he can just look a person and he can be like, I know what brother told you my secret. Or like, I know what brother told you that. That'd be kind of cool to like, that'd be like telepathy or something between your own siblings that would be kind of cool then Avery says is he wrong and then Jameson says you are the puzzle you could tap out decide you can live without answers or you can get them and then she said let's get some answers so then Jameson walks over to a door and it swings inward and says mom sky because you know she wants him for some odd reason to call her, she wants her sons to call her by her, you know, actual official name, you know, all that. And then she says, in here, and it says here, it became quite quickly apparent, was part of her room. And then Jameson says, got a second? Sky says, thousands of them, millions, come in. Then Jameson said, are you decent? I think so, his mother called back, at least as good 50% of the time. So then Jameson opens the door all the way, and there's, it's like a bathroom, I guess. Yeah, it's a bathroom. And she said it was the biggest bathtub she'd ever seen, sitting upon a dais. I focused on the tub's claw feet, gold, to match the moldings in the hallway, and not the woman currently in there. And then Jameson said, you said you were decent. And Sky said, I'm covered in bubbles. It doesn't get any more decent than that. Now, tell me what you need. And then Jameson glances at Avery and says... Okay, your turn. And then Avery says, I'll stay out here, maybe. And then Sky says, oh, don't be such a prude. I don't know what that means either. Ab Abigail, she calls her Abigail again. Like, seriously, get the names right. She says, we're all friends here, aren't we? I made it a policy to befriend everyone who steals my birthright. <clears throat> I'd put her on the list of suspects if I were you, Avery. And then Jameson said, if you're done messing with Avery, I'd like to have a little chat. And then Sky says, so serious? Well, go on then. Jameson says, my middle name. I've asked you before if I was named after my father. And then he says, well, Sky said, if you'd been a girl, I would have probably named you after myself. Like, or Skylar, Skyla, something like that. But Toby was named for my father, you know. And then Jameson said, my middle name. He was, like, reminding her, like, let's get back to what we actually came here for. Where'd you get it? And then she said, I'd be happy to answer your questions. Just as soon as you give me a moment with your delightful little friend. So then Jameson leaves. Chapter 39 begins. And Sky says, negative emotions aid you. There's only so much one can do with all this. And then she draws out a deep breath. And she's like, I forgive you, Avery. And then 
Um, Avery responds, I didn't ask you to forgive me. And then Skye says, you will, of course, continue to provide me a modest amount of financial support. And then she, Avery's like, why would I give you anything? And then she sa- Avery said, if you're not going to answer Jameson's question, then I'm leaving. And then Skye says, you will support me because I'm their mother. And I will answer your question as soon as you answer mine. And she said, what have you been doing with Jameson? And she's like, excuse me? She says, you waltzed into here with my grieving son by your side. A mother has concerns and Jameson is special. Brilliant the way my father was. That was the way Toby was. And then Avery said, your brother? What happened to him? Sky said, my father ruined Toby, spoiled him. He was always meant to be the heir, you know. And once he was gone, well, it was Zara and me. She says, do you know why Jameson was daddy's favorite when all by rights it should have been perfect, dutiful Grayson? It wasn't because my Jamie is brilliant or beautiful or charismatic. It was because Jameson Winchester Hawthorne's hungry. He's looking for something. He's been looking for it since the day he was born. Grayson is everything Toby wasn't and Jameson's just like him. And then Skye starts to tell her, you're already losing everything to this family. Skye starts to say, we used to lose him too, you know, when he was little for hours, occasionally for days. We'd look away for a second and he'd just disappear right into the walls. And then she looked at her, I guess, and she said, that's all you are, just another way to get lost. That's what she was too. And then Avery thought, Emily. And then Skye says, she was a beautiful girl, but she could have been ugly and they would have all loved her just the same. There was just something about her. And then Avery said, why are you telling me this? And Skye said, you are no Emily. And then, you know, like, this conversation is coming to, like, no conclusion. Like, there's nothing really happening here. And then Sky says, I didn't choose my son's middle names. And then Avery said, but if you didn't choose them, then who did? And Sky says, my father. So then after she left, she immediately went to go tell Jameson what his mom had said. And this is chapter 40. And he said, the old man chose our names. He picked our names. He picked them, and then he highlighted them in the red will. He disinherited his entire family 20 years ago and chose our middle names, all of them but Nash's, shortly thereafter. Grayson's 19, I'm 18, Zan will be 17 next month. I was right. I was actually right. Xander? Oh, wait, no, I wasn't. No, I wasn't. Okay, well, Xander, I guess, is 16. And then Jameson's 18, Grayson's 19, and Nash is at least, like, 20-something. I like, I don't know. I like to know what people's ages are in the book for some reason. And, like, they've only announced them, like, in the middle of the book, which is kind of weird to me. Like, I don't even know how old Avery is. But she's probably, must be 16 or 17. Because she's in her second or third year of high school, so. Okay. And then Jameson said, the old man was playing long game just a game that lasted our whole lives and then avery said well the names must have to mean something jameson said he might have known who our fathers were even if sky thought she'd kept it a secret there were no secrets from him and then avery said we can do a search or we can have Alyssa hire somebody to look for men with those last names and then jameson said or you can give me about six hours and i'll show you what i do when i'm working a puzzle and i hit a wall So then it says seven hours later, they snuck through a secret passageway in a fireplace 
to a far wing in the house, past the kitchen, past the great room, into what turned out to be the largest garage she'd ever seen. She said it was more of like a showroom, kind of a place that just things are on display. And then Jameson points out a car one by one and is telling her about it. And he starts to say, the Ashton Martin Valkyrie, a hybrid hypercar with a top speed of more than 200 miles per hour. Those theory Bugattis, what? Bugattis? Bugattis? Okay. And he says, nearly 1,500 horsepower, not bad on the track. And then she said, track? As in race track? And then he said, they were my grandfather's cars. And now, they're yours. And then Avery says, no way. I'm not even allowed to leave the estate without Orrin. I can't drive a car like this. And then Jameson said, luckily, I can. And then he walks over to this, like, puzzle box that's on the wall. It's like a Rubik's Cube, but it's attached to the wall. And it's silver with, like, strange shapes on the squares, I guess. And then Jameson begins to spin the tiles, popping them out, putting them back in, all this stuff. And he said, there's nothing like speed for getting you out of your own head and out of your own way. Some puzzles make more sense at 200 miles an hour. But before we keep reading, keep reading on, I want to know what that car was. So I'm going to look up what type of car it was that they were talking about. And see if it's, like, actually a real thing. Okay, I'm sorry that this takes so long. I cannot type very fast. Okay, um, it's an incredibly special car with an equally remarkable name. One that immediately evokes connotations of power and honor. Huh? Okay, it's a car that costs approximately $3.25 million dollars. That's a lot of money, and it does look like something. It said it looked like something out of science fiction. Yes, it does. It does. If you don't know what it looks like, I would look it up. And I guess they're make, they are made them in 2021. It's 2022 now, so I'm sorry, but that doesn't... Okay. But yeah, that was a really cool car. That looked really cool. I'm going to remember that. <laughs> Probably will never see one in real life, but it's it's okay. So, okay, so Jameson drove one of the cars. I don't know which one they took. It might have been that one, the Valkyrie. But he took him, they took him out to like a launch, not a launch pad, but like one of those pads that you shoot the car out of. Okay, I don't know much about cars, so I'm sorry. They're going in the car now, and Avery says, Jameson didn't speed. He didn't take his eyes off the road. He just drove silently. And she's starting to think this is a very very bad idea and then jameson starts to speak and he said the martin's not technically a race car technically it wasn't even for sale when my grandfather bought it and she says and technically i shouldn't have even left the estate <laughs> and then she says but somewhere about 150 miles an hour i stopped thinking about should dude 150 miles an hour how cool would that be i like to go fast like to be in a car like that that goes that fast that's like the minimum that'd be pretty cool so now we're into chapter 41 eventually the car slowed to a stop eventually reality crashed down around us my pen fell off the table Oren was there with the team in tow uh-oh and then the head of security walks over to jameson and says you and i are going to be having a little talk and the neighbor says i'm a big girl if you want to yell at someone yell at me 
good job, good job. And then it skips to that night. And so she said she can barely sleep, her brain a mess of electric impulses that wouldn't stop firing. I still had no idea what to make of the names highlighted in the red will, if they really were a reference to the boy's fathers, or if Tobias Hawthorne had chosen his grandson's middle name for a different reason altogether. And then she was just thinking of what Skye had told her, but then she falls asleep and she says, When I did really fall asleep, I dreamed of a teenage girl. She was a shadow, a silhouette, a ghost, and a queen, and no matter how fast I ran down one corridor after another, I could never catch up to her. So I'm guessing that that has something to do with Emily because like people have been referring to Emily just like this mystery girl. Like we haven't seen her, but like a few people have talked about her and like, I don't know. I bet she's going to have some big part to play in the actual like mystery, the actual game. But okay. Anyway, back to the chapter, she wakes up and someone's calling her. And then it's Max, and she says, Max, it's 5.30 in the morning. And then Max says, it's 3.30 my time. Where'd you get that car? He says, Max didn't even sound sleepy at all. And then she said, and then Avery said, a room full of cars. And then she starts, like, she, like, wakes up in that second. She's like, wait, how'd you even know about that car? And then Max said, I saw an aerial photo taken from a helicopter. And what do you mean a room full of cars? Exactly how big is this room? And then she said, I don't know. And then she starts to tell her about Emily. And she said, well, I found out there was this girl here and she died. And then Max said, back up. What do you mean she died? How? And Avery's like, I don't know. And then Max says, how do you not know? And then Avery said, well, her name was Emily. Do you know how many people named Emily there are in the world? I think it's kind of interesting how, like, they're both best friends and their names are Max and Avery. And those are, like, I don't think they're, like, rare names, but they are, like, kind of uncommon girl names, I think. Like, I've never met a girl or a girl named Max or Avery, so I think that's kind of cool. If you like names, I, I don't know. And then, so she uh, hears a knock at the door, so she says, Max, I need to go. And then Orange steps into the room and tell, gives her more than an hour of her time to go over security protocols and all that and then she says at the end of it all she says is point taken i'll be good and he says no you won't but i'll be better uh so then it's morning well i guess it's the same day and it's her next day of school at this new private school that she's starting up and she said people did their best not to stare at me the hawthorne brothers ignored me and i avoided thea and so then she's starting to think about again, 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 about Emily and everything that's happened with her. And then Xander pounced out of nowhere, or wait, no, pounced outside the physics lab. And he said, I heard that you have a need for speed. God bless the paparazzi, am I right? I also heard that you had a very special chat with my mother. And then she said, I wasn't sure if he was pumping me for information or commissurating. Your mother is something else. And then Xander said, Sky is a very complicated woman, but she also taught me to read tarot and moisturize my cuticles, so who am I to complain? <clears throat> okay. And then Avery said, Your brothers all got the same letter from your grandfather. And then he says, Did they now? And then Avery narrows her eyes and said, I know that you got it too. And then, Maybe I did, Xander admitted cheer 
cheerily, but hypothetically, if I had, and if hypothetically were playing this game and wanted just this once to just, I don't know, hypothetically win, I would want to do it my way. And then he says, does your way involve robots and scones? And then he says, what doesn't? So then he decides to show Avery the lab, like the lab that he spends a lot of his time in when he's there. And it says, like everything in co at Country Day, it looked like a million dollars, figuratively. Probably more than a million dollars, literally. Curved lab tables circled the room. Floor-to-ceiling windows had replaced three of the four walls. There was colored writing on the windows, calculations, and different handwritings. Each lab table came completed with a large monitor and a digital whiteboard, and that wasn't even touching on the size of the microscopes. She said she felt like she had just walked into NASA. So then there were only two free seats. One of them was next to Thea. The other one was as far away from Thea as you could get. And so there was a girl sitting there, dark red hair, pulled into a loose ponytail. Her coloring was stop and stare striking, hair very red and skin very pale. But her eyes were dark and sad. And so Thea saw her and patted the seat next to her. And then as she started to walk over there, she asked Xander, what's her story? And then Xander said, her story involves star-crossed love, fake dating, heartbreak, tragedy, twisted famili familial relationships, and a hero for the ages. And then she says, I gave him a look. Are you serious? Xander said, you should know by now. I'm not the serious Hawthorne. And then he goes to sit next to Thea, leaving her to wake, make her way to the red-haired girl. So it says she proved to be a decent partner. She was quiet, focused, and able to calculate almost anything in her head. The entire time they worked, she didn't even say a single thing. So then Avery says, I'm Avery. And then, Re and then this girl says, Rebecca, Lawlin, my grandparents work at the Hawthorne house. And then she said her grandparents, and then Avery was thinking, her grandparents run Hawthorne house. I wondered if that was why I had gotten the silent treatment from her, because of how I had basically, you know, taken the inheritance. But then she noticed, well, she hasn't talked to anyone else either. And then Rebecca said, has anyone shown you how to turn in assignments on your tablet? And then she says, no, could you? So then she starts to show her how she can turn in the tablets on, but on her own tablet. And in it, her, I guess her like wallpaper thing is a picture of Rebecca and someone who looked pretty much exactly the same and they both had like wreaths of flowers on her head. And she asks, is that your sister? Rebecca says, oh, that was my sister. And then she said she died. And then all of a sudden, Avery's like, is your sister Emily? And then Rebecca said, she would have been very interested in meeting you. So chapter 42, so for the rest of the day, Avery's just thinking about, cause she finally figured out what Emily looked like. And I don't necessarily know if that's gonna help her later on with something, but she just keeps thinking about Emily because like, you know, all of a sudden everyone's just mentioning her and it's like, some are like comparing, everyone's comparing Emily to Avery and Avery just can't figure out why. And that's like, messing with her you know that would mess with anybody you know but okay so then Oren comes up to her it's like the end of the day of school I guess and he says Avery we're here 
And then here was the Hawthorne Foundation. So they're back. So they're, I guess they're at the Hawthorne Foundation. And they're going, she's going to help. Because remember, she had told, it was either Sky or Zara, that she was going to help with this stuff, that she wanted to help. And so the walls were a light silver gray and dozens of massive black and white photographs hung on them, seemingly suspended midair. Hundreds of smaller prints surrounded the larger ones. People. They were from all angles, all perspectives. They were every age, every gender, every race, every culture. They were just people. There were people laughing, crying, praying, playing, eating, dancing, sleeping, sweeping, hugging. It's like everything. And then... She said she remembered why Dr. Mack in the beginning had asked her why she'd want to travel. And she said, this is why. And then some says, Miss Grams. And she looks up to see Grayson. And then she says, I'm supposed to be meeting Zara here. And then Grayson said, Zara isn't coming. She convinced that you are in need of guidance. He says, for some reason, my aunt seems to believe that guidance would be best received coming from me. And so they're walking towards this room, and then she asks Grayson, did you take these pictures? And then Grayson said, my father believed that you have to see the world to change it. He always said that I was the one with the eye. And then Avery says that she wouldn't have pegged him to be the artist of the family. And then Avery says, well, your aunt must not know about your tendency to make threats. I'm betting she also didn't know about the background check you did on my dead mother. Otherwise, there's no way she would have come to the conclusion that I'd prefer to work with you. And then Grayson said, Zara didn't miss much. And as for the background checks, would you prefer I keep the results of them to myself? And then he holds out a folder, one that was hers and her mom's, I guess. It was two of them. And she flipped open the folder. There was employment records, a death certificate, credit reports, no criminal backgrounds, and there was a photograph. And it was a photograph of her mother holding her as a baby. And then Grayson said, there's also a list of every purchase you've made since inheriting things, but nothing. And then Avery asks, is that what passes for an apology where you're from? Because she says, I surprised him. I wasn't acting like a gold digger. Because, you know, Grayson thought that she had somehow tricked his grandfather into putting her into the will so um, she could have all the money. And if that were true, she would have probably spent a lot of it in that first week she was there. But she hadn't even spent anything. Besides, I think Libby did get something for her. You know, those, like, the a computer or something. I think it was that Libby got for her with some money, but besides that, Avery didn't actually buy anything. And then he says, I'm not gonna apologize for being protective. This family has suffered enough, Miss Grams. If I were choosing between you and any one of them, I would choose them and every time, but I may have misjudged you. And then she said, well, you're wrong. I did try to spend some money, a big chunk of it. I asked Alyssa to find a way to get it to a friend of mine. And then Grayson says, what kind of friend? A boyfriend? Oh, is this going to be a love triangle? No. And then she said, no, a guy I play chess with in the park. He lives there. And then Grayson asks, homeless? And then he's like, snaps out of me. He's like, my aunt's right. You're in desperate need of an education. So he starts walking and she follows him because like she doesn't know where to go. And then he leads her to a conference room with there's maps on the wall broken down into every continent. And he says, look at them. 
Because that's what's at stake here. Everything. Not a single person. Giving money to individuals does little. And then she says it does a lot for those people. But Grayson says, with the resources you have now, you can no longer afford to concern yourself with the individual. Miss Grams, you are responsible for the world. He says, I deferred college for a year to learn the ropes of this foundation. My grandfather signed me to make a study of modes of charitable giving with an eye to improving ours. I was to make a pitch in the coming month. Now I suppose I'll be having to make my pitch to you. The foundation conservatorship has its own paperwork. When you turn 21, it's yours, just like everything else here. And he sounded really offended by that, like, huh. And then she said, I'm, and then Grayson says, don't say that you're sorry. Don't be sorry, Miss Grams. Be worthy of it. And then she said, how? And then he says, I can teach you to be anything, Miss Grams. But if you're willing, I can teach you a way of thinking. And then he starts to say, we shouldn't give because we feel one way or another. We should direct our resources to wherever objective analysis says we can have the largest impact. And then he said it like he was just talking to himself, like she wouldn't understand what he was saying. And then she said, you're talking to a future actoral science major, Hawthorne. Show me your graphs. Like, she knows what this stuff is. She knows. She knows. And then it says, by the time Grayson finished, my head was spinning with numbers and projections. I could see exactly how this worked. And it was disturbing. She says, so now they're kind of just talking like math to each other. I get why the scattershot approach won't work, blah, blah, blah. Big thinking, big interventions, comprehensive interventions, strategic stuff, all of that. So they're basic. I'm not going to go over that part because that's basically um, math and I don't like math. So then he gets a phone call and he leaves the room. And then she starts to think, this is power. A hundred million dollars a year given to this charity. Like, imagine what they can do with that. So he took the phone out of the room and uh, he went to go talk. And she's just looking at the maps and looking at all the countries, the cities, the towns, and thinking that she can help these people. Like, these people might be depending on her for futures, good or bad. They're going to come from her. And she thinks back to the Lawlands. And then she thinks Rebecca's grandparents, Emily's. And then she thinks... How old were they the first time they saw her? How long ago did she die? And then Grayson comes back into the room and she's looking at the maps and she sees one map that's labeled the Blackwood. And then she thinks, the Blackwood? Blackwood? Because that's one of the boy's middle names. And then she realized that there's a creek that's called the Brook and it's on the west side of the property. West Brook? So she's found two of the middle names, Blackwood and Westbrook. And then Grayson said, Avery? And she said, what? And he says, that was Nash calling. And she said, sure. And then he said, and so she said, what did Nash want? And she said, it's about your sister. So then chapter 43 opens up to Avery saying, I thought you said you'd take care of Drake for fun. So she'd call the list of the moment she'd made it into the car and I guess Orange driving them and Grayson and herself is buckled into the back seat. And so Alyssa said, I did take care of him. You and your sister are both in possession of temporary restraining orders. If Drake attempts to contact or come within a thousand feet of either of you for any reason at all, he's going to be facing arrest. 
And then she's, Avery said, then why is he at the gates of Hawthorne House right now? Because that's what I guess Grayson had told her. That Drake was here in Texas. When Nash had called, Libby was safely inside, but Drake was spamming her phone with texts and calls demanding a face-to-face. Alyssa said, I'll handle this, Avery. The firm has some contacts in the local police force who knows how to be discreet. And then she says, right now, being discreet wasn't my priority. My priority was Libby. Does my sister even know about the restraining order? And then Avery, or Alyssa said, she's the one that signed the paperwork. I'll handle it, Avery. You just lie low. And then Avery asks Orin, can you drive any faster? And then Grayson said, Nash is with your sister. If the gentleman so much as tries to lay a finger on her, I assure you my brother would take pleasure in removing that finger. Oh, wait. What happens to fingers? That just gave me a weird thought. Like, if your finger were to be removed or, I don't know, like a pinky toe or something, what happens to that? I wonder if it gets just thrown in the trash can. That'd be kind of weird, though, but... Okay, back to the story. We're not going to be talking about um, amputating parts of the body. <laughs> she says, I wasn't sure if Grayson was referring to separating said finger from Libby's or from Drake. And then Avery said, Drake isn't a gentleman, and I'm not just worried about him getting violent. And then Oren said, if it would make you feel any better, we can have him removed from the property, but that might cause a bit of the scene for the press. And she's like what you did not tell me there was press in front of the house and then she's like there weren't any paparazzi at the foundation and then orn continued if i were a betting man which i'm not i would guess that drake placed a few calls to reporters to ensure an audience and then she's like yep that sounds exactly like him so they're pulling into the mansion and she says there was nothing discreet about the scene that greeted us when Orrin pulled up to the drive past a verifiable horde of press up ahead i could see drake's form outside the raw iron gates there were two other men standing near him even from a distance i could make out the police uniforms and so could the paparazzi so then she told him to stop the car and he he stopped it and he said i would advise that you stay in the vehicle and then she said that that wasn't advice that he'd given her it was an order like he was like because some he could have done something to her i guess like there could be somewhere there who would want to like do something i get hurt her or i guess just load questions up on her and then orange says avery if you're getting out i'm getting out first and then she's like fine so then grayson unbuckles the seatbelt and he's like orange right you shouldn't go out there and then she said and what would you do what lengths would you go in order to protect your family so she stepped out of the car and walked down the driveway. And so she's trying to get people to watch her so that, you know, they can pull Drake away. And then Orrin says, as your bodyguard, I feel compelled to warn you that Alyssa is probably going to kill you. And then there's a roar of reporters yelling her name and some are saying, Avery. Some are saying, Avery, look over here. Avery, what do you have to say about rumors that? Smile, Avery. And then Orrin's raised a hand, and the crowd went silent, and he's like, see something. And she says, I, um, this has been a big change. I know why Tobias Hawthorne changed his will, she says loudly. Why did you say that? What, why did you say that? You don't know. You don't know. And then it says the response 
to the announcement was electric. There was a reason this was a story of the decade, one thing that everyone wanted to know. I know why he chose me. I made them look at me and only me. I'm the only one who does. I know the truth. I sold that lie for all I was worth. And if you run a word about that pathetic excuse for a human being behind me, any of you, I will make it my mission in life to ensure that you never ever find out. So chapter 44 starts and she went into the house and she's like, Orin was right, Alyssa is going to kill me. And Libby was in the kitchen and it says, She's surrounded by cupcakes, literally hundreds of them. If she'd been an apology baker back home, the addition of an industrial-grade kitchen with triple ovens had basically taken her nuclear. And she calls her out Libby, and then Libby says, Do you think I should go for red velvet or salted caramel? And then Nash said, She's been at it for hours. Her phone's been going off for just as long. And then Libby, like, looks at Nash, and she's like, Don't you talk about me like I'm not even here. And he says, Yes, ma'am. And then... Avery says, Drake's gone. I took care of it. Libby said, I suppose I'm I'm supposed to take care of you. And then Nash said, of course not. And then Libby said, you shut up. And then Nash says, shutting up now. And then he grabs a cupcake and takes a bite of it. And he said, for what it's worth, I vote for red velvet next time. And then Libby turned back to me and said, salted caramel it is. And chapter 45 starts by saying, that night when Alyssa called to read me the I can't do my job if you won't let me riot, if you won't let me riot act, she didn't allow me to get a word in edgewise. And then Avery said, how bad is it? The answer, it turned out, was the leading story on every news site bad. There were titles with, Hawthorne heiress keeping secrets, or what does Avery Grahams know? And it says she had fully expected to get some sort of a text from Max demanding to know what was going on, but then she remembered that she had told her about Emily and that Emily was such a common name and she hadn't even tried to search her up before. But now that she knew her last name, she decided to try it. So she types out Emily Lawlin in the search field and adds, Heights Country Day School, and there was something there. And uh, there was an obituary, but there was no news, there was no articles, there was nothing that made her seem like, you know, she was part of the mystery. It seemed like an average person, you know? And there was a picture of her, and she looked exactly the same like she did in the picture of Rebecca's um, wallpaper on her tablet. And then she's hearing this thumping noise in her room like this. And it's coming from the end of the fireplace. And she knows who's behind it. You know, someone's going, okay, I'll stop. That probably is loud. And then it's Jameson. And she says, do you ever use doors? And then he says, do you want me to use a door? I'm like, yes, dude, use the door. Uh-huh. I don't want you thumping on the back of a fireplace in the middle of the night. Well, it wasn't the middle of the night here. It was like probably three, four o'clock in the afternoon, but still, if it was in the middle of the night, that would be very creepy. Like, I'd be locking up that fireplace. And he says, I saw you at the press conference. And she said, it wasn't so, so much as a press conference as a very bad idea. So she asks, what do you want? And he said, you lied to the press. What you told them, it was a lie, wasn't it? And she said, of course it was. And then Jameson said, well, it's hard to tell with you sometimes. You're not exactly an open book. 
and then Jameson said, Our thrill ride last night paid off. Getting out of my head to let me look at the puzzle. Ask what I figured out about our middle names. And she said, I don't have to. I already solved it too. Blackwood, Westbrook, Davenport, Winchester. They're not just names, they're places. Or at least the first two are. There's the Blackwood, there's the Westbrook. But, and Jameson says, but you'll figure it out. And then she sees, so she's, I guess she wants to go visit those areas. So she said, feel like a walk. So now I guess they're going to go and like, um, see if they can find anything at those places, like a clue that leads to something else. So chapter 46 starts out with Avery saying, this wasn't just a walk and we both knew it. They know they were going to go look for some clue. Like they knew it. Jameson says, the Blackwood's enormous. Find anything here would be impossible if we don't know what we're already looking for. And then he says, maybe we're looking for something on or under the bridge. And Avery's like, what bridge? And then Jameson says, the bridge where my grandfather proposed to my grandmother. It's near Wayback Cottage, but back in the day, that was all my grandfather owned. As his empire grew, he bought up the surrounding land and he built the house, but he always kept the cottage. And then Avery said, that's where the Lawlands live, right? And then he says, Jameson says, Xander said you had a little chat with Rebecca. And then Avery said, but no one at school talks to her. Jameson said, correction, Rebecca doesn't talk to anyone at school. She hasn't for months. Rebecca was always a shy one, the responsible one, the one their parents expected to make good decisions. And Avery finished, like filled in the blank and said, not Emily. Jameson said, Emily just wanted to have fun. She had a heart condition, congenital. Her parents were ridiculously overprotective. They never let her do anything as a kid. She got a transplant when she was 13, and after that, she just wanted to live. And then he continues to say, there was nothing we ever did without her. We were all the same. And then Avery asks, what happened to her? Did she live in the cottage? And Jameson said, Grayson happened to her. <laughs> what? And then, she, and then Avery said, what do you mean Grayson happened to her? And then Jameson said, let's play a game. I'll give you one truth about my life and two lies, and it's up to you to decide which is which. And then Avery asks, isn't it supposed to be two truths and a lie? And then Jameson said, what fun it is playing by others, what fun is it playing by other people's rules? And then he says, fact the first. I knew what was in my grandfather's will long before you showed up here. Second, I'm the one who sent Grayson to fetch you. And third, I watched Emily Lawlin die. All those options would have like a really bad ending for the story. Like, okay, if he were to have known what was in the will long before, like that would have come up somehow and he would probably have gotten in trouble for not saying anything. And the second one was... The, who she he was the one who sent Grayson to fetch you okay that was when at the beginning of the book when Grayson went because Alyssa was supposed to go so if he probably got found out that he sent Grayson he would probably get in trouble because Alyssa was supposed to pick her up and she watched Emily Lawlin die that would kind of make things weird and add to the suspense of the mystery so i kind of think it might be that the third one that he watched her die i think that that might be the truth because there's only one truth okay chapter 47 so she said i didn't play jameson's game i didn't guess which one was true but she kept lingering on 
fact number three, that he watched her die. And then Jameson says, shall we turn our attention to the bridge, Eris? So they go over to the bridge. It was wooden, had railings, and it looked like it had been painstakingly made. And she asked, did your grandfather build this? And then he, Jameson said, I don't know if he built it, but if we're right about this, he almost certainly built something into it. So Avery asks, any idea what we're looking for? And he says, I'll know it when I see it. And then he starts to just look around the bridge, basically. So she takes out her phone and turns on the flashlight, and she's looking over beams on the railings for any carvings or, like, you know, like a knife had been uh, carved something. She's just looking for anything like counting the nails she's counting the boards she's counting everything and then jameson says again i'll know it when i see it and then avery says or maybe i will and then jameson said sometimes Eris, you just need a different point of view so then okay so he jumps onto the railing and they're below water and he's just walking on the railing of, like, a bridge that's, like, probably up in the air. And then he says, we need to look below it. So then his plan is to hold Avery over the ledge because he's like, um, grab my legs. You can hold me. And then he's like, well, no, I'm probably too big for you. You'll drop me. And then he's like, I'll have to hold you. So now... He's going to have to hold her dangling off the bridge to see if there's anything underneath it. And she says, there were a lot of firsts I've never gotten to do. What? But this particular first being dangled off a bridge by someone who just might have confessed they watched someone die wasn't exactly on her to-do list. And then James has said, don't drop your phone and I won't drop you. That's a, that's a good plan. We don't want her to be dropped. So she finally is looking under the bridge, and she, she Jason asks, Jason, that's no, not a name. Jameson says, do you see anything? And she says, just shadows, some algae. The boards on the bottom aren't the same boards we can see up to. There's at least two layers of wood. And she counts the boards, there's 21. And then she says, there's nothing here, Jameson, pull me up. So they go up to count the boards. There's 21 boards on the bottom, and there's 21 boards on the top. Nothing seemed wrong. But still, Jameson was like, there has to be something here. And then Avery says, it's getting late. And Jameson said, it was already late. If you were going to turn into a pumpkin, it would have happened by now. And then she's like, what in the world is that supposed to mean? And then she's like, we have school tomorrow. And Jameson says, maybe we do. Maybe we don't. You can play by the rules or you can make them. I know which one I prefer, Eris. So then she says, so they're just pacing across the bridge, basically. And then... Jameson started to walk at a certain area and the bridge like is creaking and then he walked is pacing back the way he came from and it's creaking just in that one spot so she says wait stop so then he stopped and she said back up slowly and it creaked again and Jameson said it's the same board every single time so they're like moving their fingers over the board trying to like see if there was like a secret panel or something and so they pressed down on the board and it creaked again and then Avery said it moves but just a little and Jameson said a little isn't enough we're looking for a latch something keeping the board from rotating all the way around and it says eventually we found it small knots in the wood where the board met up with the bolsters 
Jameson took the one on the left, and I took the one on the right. There was a popping sound when we met back in the middle and tested the board once more and moved more freely. Together, we rotated it until the bottom of the board faced upward. I shined my flashlight on the wood. Jameson did the same with his. Carved into the surface of the wood was a symbol. Infinity, Jameson said, chasing his thumb over the carving. I tilted my head to the side and took a more pragmatic view. Or eight. But I mean, the carving has to have something to do with that. Why else would there just be this random carving with a secret latch all over it? I mean, so it's either stands for like an infinity symbol or the number eight. So last chapter, chapter 48, morning came way too early. Somehow I dragged myself out of bed and got dressed. Yes, I feel that way too every single morning. Thank you very much. This is very relatable. <laughs> so and next it says, as I finished donning what I mentally call my battle face, there was a knock at my door. I answered it and saw the maid who Alyssa had told me was one of Nash's. She was carrying a breakfast tray. Mrs. Lawlin hadn't sent one up since my first morning at the Hawthorne house. She says, I wonder what I'd done to deserve this one. And the maid says, our crew clean deep cleans the house from top to bottom on Tuesdays. If it's all right with you, I'll start in your bathroom. And the neighbor's like, you, I'll just let me hang, hang up my towel. And then she's like, it says, and the woman stared at me like I'd announced an intentional to do yoga right there in front of her. And then she says, you can leave the towel on the floor. We'll be laundering them anyway. And she said that that just feels wrong, like laundry. She's used to doing laundry. That's good because it's a very good skill to know how to do your laundry. No one likes to do it, but you, you got to do it. And so she introduces herself to the girl and she says, I'm Avery. What's your name? And she says her name's Melly. And she says, thank you, Melly, for your help. And then this girl's like very quiet. And then she just goes on. She does her work. And then she decides that she might as well go see what Libby's doing. So she knocked lightly in case she was still sleeping and the door drifted open. And apparently Nash was in her room. And I guess Libby's not even in there. Like she's not even in the room, but Nash is in there like sleeping on a chair or something in there. And then she's like, what are you doing in here? And he's like, oh, oh, I'm just in here. And then she says, Libby isn't one of your projects. And then Nash said, my projects? What exactly has Lily been telling you? And if you don't remember, that was his nickname for Alyssa, I guess. And then it said, this could not possibly end well. But before I could say that, Mealy stepped, not Mealy, that's Lily. Melly stepped out of my room. She couldn't be done with the bathroom yet, so she must have heard us or heard Nash. Morning, he told her. Good morning, she said with a smile, and then she looked at me, looked at Libby's room, looked at the open door, and stopped smiling. So thank you guys for listening to this week's episode of Reading by Flashlight. Next week, we are going to be going over chapters 49 through 60. And again, this book has about 91 chapters, I think, but the lengths are vary a lot because some chapters might only be one or two pages, but the longest is about five or six. So timing for the episodes do vary. But if you know anyone who would like this book, direct them to the podcast. If you know anyone who might just be interested in this podcast where we go for different types of books, show it to them too. And thanks again for watching, and if you have any book recommendations of books that you would like to see that we go over on here, then leave them in the comments that are available, but just on Spotify. 
So if you have Spotify, you can check it out there and comment an idea that you have. Uh, Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next Monday. Bye!